of your life is daddyhood. Welcome back to daddyhood. As you know, we are on my path to parenthood, but I think what's been happening across our nation needs to be discussed. So this is an emergency episode. Rich Vaughn, thank you for joining me. Pleasure to be here. We have to get into what's going on in Alabama. Normally I start light and with a dad joke, but it's not appropriate for this episode. So <laughs> having you here and your expertise, also Jordan, my husband, because, you know, obviously anything political you you have some knowledge about. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to first just discuss the state of Alabama and the IVF clinics there. What is what's going on right now? Right. So last week, the Alabama Supreme Court ruled in a case called LePage versus the Mobile Infirmary, Mobile Infirmary Clinic. This is a clinic uh, that was conducting IVF. They had some frozen embryos in storage, like almost all IVF clinics do. Um, Apparently, there were some other patients that got loose, got into the cryotank and dropped and destroyed some embryos. So the patients whose embryos were lost sued. And among the number of other causes of action that they proposed, one was, you know, this was a wrongful death action. Mm. So at the uh, trial level and the lower appellate level, uh, the court said uh, these embryos do not qualify for a wrongful death claim. Embryos are not children. This got appealed to the Alabama Supreme Court and the Alabama Supreme Court said, yes, embryos are children. The court ruling spoke in all kinds of biblical language about uh, wrath of God, you know, for, you know, destroying these embryos, et cetera. I, I mean, I get the sort of emotional component of protecting these patients, but yeah. um, it, the court went overboard. I mean, I, I have it written right here in, in quotations. So it says, even before birth, all beings have the image of God in their lives and cannot be destroyed without facing his glory. I'm a man of faith, but I still understand the separation of church and state and also the appreciation for other people's face. It's not all the same and it's not a one size fit all. And it is a personal relationship that you have with your faith. Couldn't agree more. I mean, this judge belongs in church, not not in a courtroom. Right. Right. So I think more so than anything, how like, how did this happen? How did we get here? Because there have been cases before where people have tried to sue and it's been shut down, shut down, shut down. What, what changed? So there are a couple of different legal fronts on which this challenge has been growing. Um, one dates back to 1990, where uh, a couple in Tennessee divorcing had leftover embryos and they were fighting over who got to use them. And the court, the Supreme Court of Tennessee at that time, this is Davis versus Davis, mm-hmm. um, said that um, embryos are not people, that uh, they are a special type of property. They're not property like a house or a car, but they're not right. children, but they're special property. They're entitled to some special considerations. And um, uh, basically uh, did not, the person who didn't want to become a parent was not forced to become a parent. So that was the mm-hmm. first ruling in this area where there was even some discussion, light mm-hmm. discussion about whether an embryo was a person. A number of other cases like that have um, transpired over the last 30 years since then. Um, but all of them um, have resulted in a ruling that said embryos are not people. Yeah. So that's one front. The other front is the anti-abortion front, you know, where the, this group is looking to continually cut back on, you know, when people could or could not, you know, um, engage in any sort of abortion procedure including you know, that life begins at conception. And there's been a number of challenges to this issue. Um, 
It's even one in Australia where there was a court ruling on when life began, and they actually listened to the doctors, they listened to the lawyers, and they, they decided that life could not begin until at least the embryo was implanted. Yeah. You know, just I mean, the idea of having to come up with a ruling on, on when conception begins. Totally. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it, so it's been going on for a while. Um, there are a number of other personhood bills um, that have failed over the last uh, 15 years or so yep. um, until now. So with, with all of that information, like Jordan and I have three embryos. Right now in our current plan to expand our family, we want two. But we know like the risks that go into transfers and just like statistically speaking how hard it is to, to have kids via IVF. What, in our case, what would that mean for that third embryo? Like what do we do with it or can we do with it if we were in Alabama? Well, let's be clear right now, the ruling is restricted to just Alabama law and Alabama's interpretation of its wrongful death statute and its constitution. But if you were in Alabama, your clinic might decide not to take any more chances with liability. They might close down. There are several already that have um, said that they're no longer performing any procedures wow. at the and moment. Until they get clarity? or Until they until get some clarity. The yeah. interesting thing about this ruling, sort of the, the, the um, inconsistency of the ruling, is that it, it's referring to embryos as children, but then seems to be blessing cryopreservation, like, we, as far as I know, we don't freeze children. Right. <laughs> but, you know, right. it speaks of a cryogenic nursery. So it's really unclear as to what these IVF centers are going to be able to do. I saw yeah. that in one of the articles. I saw that they compared the cryobank to a nursery, to a daycare, yeah. is what the like yeah. what their main comparison was. Yeah. Rich, one of the things that I think about is in order to do a good job as a legislator or as a judge, you need some basic understanding of what you are making a law about or a ruling around. And to me, in this case, it seems like neither the judge nor many people who are elected officials in Alabama truly understand this, not only the field of law, but the science and medicine behind it. Do you get that sense? I absolutely get that sense. My first take when I read the ruling was they didn't listen to any of the science right. at all. That, and it's very clear in the ruling with its use of biblical quotations and right. you know, um, the terminology of cryogenic nursery. They just clearly did not listen to the science, which would make it very clear to anyone who like, even just sees one sentence that an embryo is not capable of becoming a child without being implanted right. in the uterus and then having that take and then Grow. And then there's that viral clip of one of the two U.S. senators from Alabama, who's the former football coach of which school is it? It's Tommy Tuberville. Yeah. And he, you know, clearly didn't understand the implications of the ruling. He came over to the press as if it was like this amazing pro family thing for people who want more kids. Isn't this great? And these journalists, both of whom are women who clearly did understand everything that was going on, said, you don't understand that this is actually making it harder for people to have kids. And he froze and was like, I'm going to have to get back to you. So I think people who are trying to build families this way and just people who want their elected officials to be competent are like, come on, man. Like, this is a really important thing for our lives. And, you know, you're coming over in front of the press. You don't understand it. It's really insulting. And there are a bunch of people who are scared not only for their livelihoods, if you own a fertility clinic or you're a doctor or a nurse there, but if you're trying to, you know, expand your family and you've been working on this for years... It's really emotional and sometimes stressful and really expensive and in some ways intrusive and invasive. 
And you have these people who are treating it as an opportunity to like virtue signal, you know, that, hey, like, you know, we really care about the Bible. And it's like, great, care about the Bible. But we live in a country where you're also allowed to be another faith uh, or no faith at all. And that is a bedrock of being an American. And I think that's why it became such a big... I mean, it really was the dominant story in the country last week. Well, absolutely. I mean, the, the hypocrisy of, of, you know, the moral preaching yeah. on the issue is so evident when you think about the fact that the anti-abortion stance is, pro, is supposedly pro-family, right? This, yeah. this ruling is not necessarily pro-family. Everything you just said is absolutely correct. This is going to make it harder for the one in six people who have fertility issues to do it cost-effectively. Those in Alabama, they're gonna, they may have to go elsewhere. Right. Um, insurance coverage is an issue. Uh, costs are an issue. So yeah, it's just making it harder. I think it's important that you know anybody who's listening to this right now can just hear the clip, which we'll play right here. Do you have a reaction to the Alabama Supreme Court ruling on the fact that embryos are children? Yeah, I was all for it. We need to have more kids. We need to have an opportunity to do that. And this, I thought this was the right thing to do. But IVF is used to have more children. And right now, IVF services are paused at some of the clinics in Alabama. Aren't you concerned that this could impact people who are trying to have kids? Well, that's for, that's for another conversation. People need to have that. We need more kids. We need the people to, to have the opportunity to have kids. Senator, what do you say to the women right now in Alabama who no longer have access to IVF? Well, that's a hard one. It really is. It's really hard because, uh, again, you want people to have that opportunity. And, and that's what I was telling her. We need more kids. This is someone who was voted for, who made it into office, and he clearly does not understand what's going on in his state. And I think what they're doing right now is resetting the clock of life mm-hmm. and the effect that that is going to have on people who have cancer and have to go through IVF, who have fertili- many fertility and health issues. I think people don't understand, you don't just do IVF. IVF and, and creating families through embryos is not just for the LGBTQ plus community, which I think, I don't know, in my opinion, is sort of what this was like. You know, It's a big sticking point for a lot of people who are creating families. I know I've already received weird comments in our mind of like, you know, your kid needs a mother, all that just misinformation that's out there. Mm-hmm. But can we talk about resetting this? What is life? I mean, it's it's a it's a huge challenge uh, legally. And now we're going to be forced to to figure this out. I mean, it's time to figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Um, there's definitely science involved. and We need to pay attention to that. We need to heed that or else we're going to be um, destroying a lot of people's ability to become parents. And this is a question for both of you. What, if anything, what is the silver lining here? (laughs) Well, all right. I I have been thinking about this, trying to look at it from both sides. Um, If a clinic were to drop your embryos, that's tragic, right? Um, And I think this judge was, I mean, I, you know, um, can't speak to everything that was in his head, but... um, was at least thinking about the sanctity of life and thinking about these people who've lost their embryos and, and perhaps a chance in being parents. Mm-hmm. But I do think we now have an opportunity to further refine. If we're going to talk about um, when life begins, I think we talk about, obviously, what the ruling says is it begins at fertilization, regardless of 
location, I think that was the wording used right. in the language, regardless of location of the embryo, this extra uterine child it, it was referred to as, yeah. um, I think we're going to have to really focus on the fact that um, implantation has to occur. And I think you're going to start to see that in um, revisions to statutes. I know that they're talking about it in Tennessee. They're talking about it in Georgia to at least make it clear that um, this embryo doesn't have a chance of being a child until implantation. Mm. So we'll see some, I think, some progress on this front. Hopefully we still have a very strong anti-abortion um, uh, faction to get around and deal with. Yeah. From a political landscape, what is the silver lining? Well, I think it's just clear immediately that the politics of this are out of step. You know, courts are political and um, Americans don't want this. Um, it, we don't have huge super majorities for almost anything in the country of people that agree on something. And this is a massive, massive, nearly universally supported um, to build families through IVF. Even Over 70% of Republicans um, support IVF. So I, I think you saw, you know, whatever you think about President Trump, he understands the media cycle and he understands um, what his base wants. And he's been really driven by that. And he immediately came out and said, you know, I'm not in favor of this. The very, very conservative, religious um, governor of Alabama, Kay Ivey, who's very anti-abortion and, you know, calls herself pro-family. But I think, you know, they've passed some laws that make it hard. You know, if you yeah. are poor and a single parent, you know, it's not a great environment to raise a family. Um, she has said, we're going to protect IVF in the state. So there was massive, massive backlash to this among the people who I think this judge thought would be really supportive. Well, and, I, and I think as this conversation continues in the country, we're going to have to be very careful, obviously. But on the backside of this, we have other states that are trying to do positive things, like talking mm. about when could child support begin? And there have been some cases in some states right. that have said that child support yeah. could begin while pregnant. So it's a really interesting... And they're like, hold like, up, we didn't mean for that to happen. Right? Well, like the double meaning. And yeah. like, for example, if, if that's what the case that they want to make is by life begins at that moment, then can we write on our taxes? Like we get deductions because we have embryos frozen right now? Like, I mean, that's just sort of playing... Absolutely. That's another one of the, the uh, bills that are out there about, you know, when can you claim... Dependence. Dependence. Carpool right. lane, here we come. <laughs> <laughs> so I, th I think I don't want to minimize and downplay. Losing an embryo has to be tragic. I couldn't imagine those three families that are going through this. I also, on the other hand, know that I signed documents and papers, and I also assumed risk of knowing when you transfer for testing and you take out, I'm, I'm blanking on the procedure, but when you, you test the cells for genetic testing, there can be damage done to those embryos. I know that, Jordan knows that, it was laid out in front of us when we first signed up to do this and we know the percentage and look, we had 22 eggs and we had three embryos. That wasn't ideal, it wasn't what we wanted. Well, three. we had more embryos but then by the time they we had three that genetically tested and they grow right, right. and that kind of thing. So, so we to had your three point, there's risk at every level, totally. every step of the way. Yeah. Um, I think what we may have to end up deciding is whether this is a wrongful death action, which I don't think it should be, or if it's just some other type of negligence. And you know, if there's negligence, then pursue the negligence claim. Yeah. Right. But don't let's not make this about a wrongful death claim. So you think you think they have? I mean, 
in your opinion as a lawyer, if these were your clients, these three, they're just filing this under the wrong category. Well, the, the approach with litigation is to file as many different causes of action as you think you have. Okay. Hoping for, you know, they should be based in merit, of course, but you're, right. you're hoping for one of those to stick and then you pursue that and you try to settle or... And this is the one that trial. stuck? Well, it's, it's one. Okay. Yeah. How it gets rejected and appealed all the way up to the Supreme Court and then I'm just like, what's in it for this judge? What's in it for this court? That might be a question for you, too. That's a great rhetorical question. Look, I don't have the answer. The, the, there's a part of the country, it's not a majority, who has spent the last 40 years single-mindedly obsessed with getting abortion rights chipped away and outlawed. And so when you stack courts with people who that's the litmus test, you know, and, and Republican politicians for decades have that has been the litmus test. Would you vote to strike down abortion? And with that, um, you know, there are big majorities of the American people across demographics who support some level of abortion rights. So when you get all the all those judges in there, that's not the only thing they're thinking about. Right. Most of them are also very conservative in their Christian faith. And so when other issues come before them, they are ruling with that lens. I think that's a fair way to say, like, that's why you're getting things. And, and they believe some things that are really outside of the mainstream, right? Like Sarah Palin thinking that the earth is only, I don't know, was it 5,000 years old or something, despite, you know, science. <laughs> so, and I don't mean to make light, like these people all have the right to their faith. That's what this country is. But so does everyone else who doesn't agree with them. Right. And I think I, I'm, I'm interested in, in your view of what happens from here, because in my, like, we know how many people play a factor into building our team of fertility and our embryos. They go through a lot of different hands. So from people, you know, and I know this, this case is, you said a random patient sort of snuck in or got in and, and accidentally destroyed, correct? These embryos. So now that that is the case and the precedent in Alabama, you know, the embryologist who is going in to take, you know, that sample and accidentally damages the embryo and now it has to be disregarded can be faced with criminal charges of death. If this, if, if is, I mean, is that accurate? That's accurate. That is potentially the consequence here. So what is, so, so what, what's next for these employees in, in Alabama? I mean, because there's so many people that have to touch those embryos is, is basically, are they just taking a step back being like, I can't work right now? There may be clinics that will step back from this entirely mm. uh, out of concern for liability. There will be clinics that will proceed and, and proceed carefully. But, you know, the question remains, you know, what happens if you discard an embryo? What if you're done? Well, that's like your family for, for us. Right? It's like if we, you know, if we decide that we only want, you know, two kids what it, like legally, I know we're in California and probably going to be more protected than other states. But if we weren't in Alabama, are we just, we just have to keep it on, we have to keep it frozen, keep it on ice or like. Yeah, the, it, it, you may have to keep it frozen indefinitely. Mm. I mean, that's one absurd uh, extreme here. You may um, have to, maybe you can transfer it from one clinic to another clinic, but will the transport company take on the liability now? Mm. So it, it's a real Quagmire, and we don't have any clear answers yet. It's, it, this is going to have a huge ripple effect. 
It does seem like they're working really quick. The politics of this are really bad. And so it seems like across the country, people are moving quickly to protect um, IVF rights, right? In including in the most conservative places. I just want to ask you one of the, you've been at this for so long. And I think what we're seeing is I always try to put myself in the shoes of, of someone else, right? And, and so if you're out there, you're really religious and you don't have any experience, maybe you don't have any LGBTQ plus friends or families in your life. And we are in the middle of reworking sort of what does it mean to be a family, right? And you've got the Pope, who a lot of people think is pretty progressive, who's very anti-surrogacy and has said he thinks it's really, really bad and immoral, right? And But is, is, has sort of been progressive on other things. Um, and this is happening in other countries, right? In Italy, the very conservative prime minister there, who's a woman, um, retroactively canceled surrogacy, uh, surrogacy and sort of um, birth certificates and birth certificates for families, gay or straight, who had had children using uh, IVF and uh, or surrogacy rather, and donors. They went yeah. back into these small towns in Italy into their record keeping halls and changed the name of the legal parent. And to me, that just shows that like the U.S. is not the only place grappling with this. Um, but in your decades of experience, like, do you see us going forwards or backwards? And um, how, how does it feel? It's a great question, um, perhaps out of optimism, but also out of experience. I, th I do think that the trend is, is to be more permissive, to be more accepting. Uh, we're seeing a number of countries around the world um, uh, propose surrogacy friendly mm -hmm. legislation to make it possible for those citizens in their country to do surrogacy there instead of having to go overseas. So we're seeing some treatment of it, but it's slow. Yeah. It's a slow, it's slow progress. There's still a lot of concern about, you know, surrogacy and IVF. And so I think we're always going to have that. And I mean, look, when I, I mean, when we first started our process, I had someone uh, within my close circle basically say, you're playing God. Mm. And we're not, playing God, but that was their first reaction. So mm -hmm. we have to acknowledge that there will be other people who just don't see it the same way. Right. Um, but I think generally the trend is to be more permissive. Just but playing God, you could also argue if you get open heart surgery or a pacemaker, or if you have, you know. It's like, where where do oxygen. we draw the line? Right. For both, both ways, both right. views. And I think, and the timing of all this to me seems, I, I, I'm, he knows this and I've openly said this, like politics, somewhat scares me and intimidates me. I fall very much in the middle on a lot of issues and I don't, you know, I just get nervous or scared to like say that, but there's so many people like me that are just like, I see this per person's view. I see this person's view. I want to be somewhere in the middle. How do I like have these conversations? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's like, it, this is an election year and this is, this seems like a cycle. At least I you know I'm 32 now and I've been through a few elections and sort of, didn't really know what I was doing or how my vote was going to go. But like, it just seems like this backfired for a certain, for one of the parties, just because it's this year that they're trying to make change and trying to be big and bold and overcompensating on different stances. Well, as Jordan said, look, they've been working at this for decades to get, you know, um, uh, uh, anti-abortion supporters in all offices of politics, courtrooms, et cetera. And this is the outcome. Mm -hmm. um, what's interesting to me is, you know, this, at least here in the U.S., the Republican Party, its policy for the longest time was like smaller government, right? Yeah. Like, and, and now they're just in 
everybody's business telling you what you can and can't do in your own personal life. And I think that's what we need to focus on too, because it, look, if we could all just leave each other alone, mm, right. <laughs> we'd be fine. Right. Uh, there's a huge shift and it's happening here in other countries, as you mentioned. And I think that's what we keep forgetting to talk about. Yeah. You know, we get so laser focused on this issue and that's each issue that's happening. And there's plenty of t- stuff to pay attention to, mm-hmm. but right. the big picture is, where are we going with this? Why, why is the government in our personal lives? That's right. I th- and I think, you know, to, to give an issue that it has been a problem for the left, the strong majorities of Americans just want freedom. They want to be, you want, they want to get information and they want to be kept safe by the government. But beyond that, they want to make their own choices. And we saw that also with the COVID vaccine. And that sort of ripped the country apart as well. And, you know, there are majorities of, uh, that did not support mandates in the workplace or to go to school. And so I, I think that's a similar, uh, about as close as an analogy as we could get in the last few years of people just saying, you know, make things safe, give us all the information. And beyond that, I want to decide for me and my family and just, you know, don't tell me what to do. Well, and as far as an issue that touches a lot of people, um, fertility, I mentioned earlier, one in six have fertility issues. Right. This, I mean, I, mean, I don't know that you could say one in six have considered an, an abortion, right? right? This is an issue that could affect a, a lot more people. And so I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to stay at the forefront, this conversation this year. I think a lot of people don't also understand, like, the importance of IVF for people who sometimes are faced with severe illnesses, cancers, you know, and these are children who sometimes are getting their eggs that have to do harvest their eggs because they have to go through intense chemo and radiation to where they will no longer have that when they become adults. So the ripple effects of, of this ruling, while they weren't intended to harm these people, it it will. It absolutely will. Yeah. It's just, I think, a lot of people, I think a lot of people do understand that, as you said, like most people when they hear what's going on and, you know, so, so what's next? What are we waiting on? What is for the ruling and IV uh, for this ruling? Is there a way that it gets reversed and overturned or what happens? Well, one potential option is for if there is an appeal, it would be appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. The last time the U.S. Supreme Court had the issue of personhood in front of it, uh, was an appeal from a Colorado case, the Rooks decision in 2018, um, and they declined to take it. And um, but that was the 2018 Supreme Court. Right, right. It's a very different Supreme Court now. I don't know um, what to expect. Um, and Justice Coney Barrett, like one of her huge things that we knew about her before she got on the court was her really strong feelings. Very strong on I mean, how to make a family, basically. Yeah. So, but, but the issue is... What is that, by the way, as someone who's not super politically... <laughs> well, what do you think? It's, it's, she's, you know, anti-abortion and pro-family. I mean, oh, so it's not good for... It's she she talked a lot about how, you know, there are enough... It was a lot about adoption, right? And there should just be, you know, there are enough families who want to adopt that we don't need a, abortion, which we know isn't true. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the, the issue that would be appealed on for it's, it's a very state specific issue so they, they have enough grounds to deny yeah the appeal deny it's called denied 
cert or certiori to the court. So okay. they, they may not take it. So now, but they may not take it, but it is getting appealed to now go to the I, I don't US. actually know the current status. There's a bit okay. of time left to, um, to actually appeal. Okay. So the ruling just happened last week. So yeah. there's typically at least 30 days. And wow. it seems like like the Alabama legislature, if they pass a bill this week protecting IVF rights in the state and the governor signs it, the Supreme Court would likely just say, like, we're right. good, right? This issue has been to. handled by the legislation. Right. Yeah. So that's another way that this could, could go. This could also unfold on a federal level, too. Yeah. It's got a lot of people motivated now to talk about this thinking and think through this. So there are potential federal um, bills that could actually address save, this nationwide. Address it and save it. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to track this. Hopefully you can rejoin us again with maybe some good news um, at a later. But thank you for joining me for this emergency episode. I think it's important that people understand where we're at in our country, who holds office in our country, especially with this being an election year and being able to make choices on your own, whether you agree or disagree with it. I think just educating yourself and seeing and hearing from these people that represent your state and represent America is important these days. So well, it's my pleasure to be here. Hopefully we'll have better news next time. Yeah. Thank you for joining me, Rich. The ride of your life is Eddie Hood.